0: This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. When it comes to cross-cultural ministry, what does it look like for outsiders to serve as humble alongsiders in the work God is already doing? Keep listening to hear more about Craig Greenfield's new book, Subversive Mission, and by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable.
1: This is IVP.
0: listening to Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Your Word is truth. Your
1: Word is light. Presented by InterVar City Press.
0: Your Word is truth. Your Word is life.
1: The Daily Audio Bible Podcast, read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Ikemeni
0: Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us.
1: Open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things in your Word.
0: Old Testament reading, Ezekiel chapter 17 through Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. A parable of two eagles and a vine. The Lord's message came to me, son of man. Offer a riddle and tell a parable to the house of Israel. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. A great eagle with broad wings, long feathers, and full plumage that was multi-hued came to Lebanon and took the top of the cedar. He plucked off its topmost shoot. He brought it to a land of merchants and planted it in a city of traders. He took one of the seedlings of the land, placed it in a cultivated plot, a shoot by abundant water. Like a willow, he planted it. It sprouted and became a vine, spreading low to the ground, its branches turning toward him, its roots were under itself. So it became a vine. It produced shoots and sent out branches. There was another great eagle, with broad wings and thick plumage. Now this vine twisted its roots toward him, and sent its branches toward him, to be watered from the soil where it was planted. In a good field, by abundant waters, it was planted, to grow branches, bear fruit, and become a beautiful vine. Say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Will it prosper? Will he not rip out its roots and cause its fruit to rot and wither? All its foliage will wither. No strong arm or large army will be needed to pull it out by its roots. Consider, it is planted, but will it prosper? Will it not wither completely when the east wind blows on it? Will it not wither in the soil where it sprouted? Then the Lord's message came to me. Say to the rebellious house of Israel, Don't you know what these things mean? Say, See here, the king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and took her king and her official's prisoner and brought them to himself in Babylon. He took one from the royal family, made a treaty with him, and put him under oath. He then took the leaders of the land so it would be a lowly kingdom that could not rise on its own, but had to keep its treaty with him in order to stand. But this one from Israel's royal family rebelled against the king of Babylon by sending his emissaries to Egypt to obtain horses and a large army. Will he prosper? Will the one doing these things escape? Can he break the covenant and escape? As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, surely in the city of the king who crowned him, whose oath he despised and whose covenant he broke, in the middle of Babylon he will die. Pharaoh with his great army and mighty horde will not help him in battle. When siege ramps are erected and siege walls are built to kill many people, he despised the oath by breaking the covenant. Take note, he gave his promise and did all these things. He will not escape. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, As surely as I live, I will certainly repay him for despising my oath and breaking my covenant. I will throw my net over him, and he will be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and judge him there because of the unfaithfulness he committed against me. All the choice men among his troops will die by the sword, and the survivors will be scattered to every wind. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and plant it. I will pluck from the top one of its tender twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. I will plant it on a high mountain of Israel. And it will raise branches and produce fruit and become a beautiful cedar. Every bird will live under it. Every winged creature will live in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I am the Lord. I make the high tree low. I raise up the low tree. I make the green tree wither and I make the dry tree sprout. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. Ezekiel chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Individual Retribution. The Lord's message came to me. What do you mean by quoting this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth become numb. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will not quote this proverb in Israel anymore. Indeed, all lives are mine. The life of the Father as well as the life of the Son is mine. The one who sins will die. Suppose a man is righteous. He practices what is just and right. Does not eat pagan sacrifices on the mountains or pray to the idols of the house of Israel. Does not defile his neighbor's wife. Does not approach a woman for marital relations during her period. Does not oppress anyone, but gives the debtor back whatever was given in pledge. Does not commit robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and clothes the naked. Does not engage in usury or charge interest, but refrains from wrongdoing, promotes true justice between men, and follows my statutes and observes my regulations by carrying them out. That man is righteous. He will certainly live, declares the Sovereign Lord. Suppose such a man has a violent son who sheds blood and does any of these things mentioned previously, though the father did not do any of them. He eats pagan sacrifices on the mountains, defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and the needy, commits robbery does not give back what was given in pledge, prays to idols, performs abominable acts, engages in usury, and charges interest, will he live? He will not. Because he has done all these abominable deeds, he will certainly die. He will bear the responsibility for his own death. But suppose he in turn has a son who notices all the sins his father commits, considers them, and does not follow his father's example. He does not eat pagan sacrifices on the mountains does not pray to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife, does not oppress anyone or keep what has been given in pledge, does not commit robbery, gives his food to the hungry and clothes the naked, refrains from wrongdoing, does not engage in usury or charge interests, carries out my regulations and follows my statutes. He will not die for his father's iniquity. He will surely live. As for his father, because he practices extortion, robs his brother, and does what is not good among his people, he will die for his iniquity. Yet you say, Why should the son not suffer for his father's iniquity? When the son does what is just and right, and observes all my statutes and carries them out, he will surely live. The person who sins is the one who will die. A son will not suffer for his father's iniquity, and a father will not suffer for his son's iniquity. The righteous person will be judged according to his righteousness, and the wicked person according to his wickedness. But if the wicked person turns from all the sin he has committed and observes all my statutes and does what is just and right, he will surely live. He will not die. None of the sins he has committed will be held against him. Because of the righteousness he has done, he will live. Do I actually delight in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Do I not prefer that he turn from his wicked conduct and live? But if a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and practices wrongdoing according to all the abominable practices the wicked carry out, Will he live? All his righteous acts will not be remembered. Because of the unfaithful acts he has done and the sin he has committed, he will die. Yet you say, The Lord's conduct is unjust. Hear, O house of Israel, is my conduct unjust? Is it not your conduct that is unjust? When a righteous person turns back from his righteousness and practices wrongdoing, he will die for it. Because of the wrongdoing he has done, he will die. When a wicked person turns from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will preserve his life. Because he considered and turned from all the sins he has done, he will surely live. He will not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The Lord's conduct is unjust. Is my conduct unjust, O house of Israel? Is it not your conduct that is unjust? Therefore, I will judge each person according to his conduct. O house of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord, repent and turn from all your wickedness. Then it will not be an obstacle leading to iniquity. Throw away all your sins you have committed and fashion yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why should you die, O house of Israel? For I take no delight in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. New Testament Reading Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 19 Acts chapter 8 Beginning at verse 26. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. There he met an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, sitting in his chariot, reading the prophet Isaiah. Then a spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran up to it and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked him, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How in the world can I, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the message of scripture the man was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In humiliation, justice was taken from him. Who can describe his posterity? for his life was taken away from the earth then the eunuch said to philip please tell me who was the prophet saying this about himself or someone else so philip started speaking and beginning with the scripture proclaimed the good news about jesus to him now as they were going along the road they came to some water and the eunuch said look there is water what is to stop me from being baptized so he ordered the chariot to stop and both philip and the eunuch went down into the water and philip baptized him now when they came up out of the water The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him anymore, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through the area, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 19 The Conversion of Saul Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out threats to murder, the Lord's disciples went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, either men or women, he could bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he was going along, approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he said, who are you, Lord? He replied, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But stand up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. Now the men who were traveling with him stood there speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. So Saul got up from the ground. But although his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Leading him by the hand, his companions brought him to Damascus. For three days he could not see, and he neither ate nor drank anything. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias and he replied, "Here I am, Lord." Then the Lord told him, "Get up and go to the street called straight, and at Judas's house look for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he may see again. But Ananias replied, "Lord, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to imprison all who call on your name." But the Lord said to him, Go, because this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and kings and the people of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, his strength returned. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Sovereign Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, O God, for those passages in both Ezekiel and Acts, O God. And I th- when I think about Ezekiel and the prophetic call on his life and the difficulty, I, I think about the meaning of Ezekiel's name, which is he who God gives strength. And I thank you, oh God, that you correct us when we use your scripture in the wrong context, with the wrong meaning, wrong application, wrong audience, perhaps. But I just thank you for the ways that you demonstrated even to Ezekiel that it is the righteousness <laughs> of the person that will save them, that the sins of the father will not be counted against the children if the children are living righteously and upright before you. And I thank you, O God, that that you go on and say that the sins of the children and any wickedness and, and unrighteousness that they are living will not be counted against the parents. That you have both, O oh God, and that we stand before you because of the righteousness of Christ imputed to us. Thank you for that. Thank you, O oh God, and that even when the wicked person is doing wicked deeds and all manner of unrighteousness, that if they repent, they will live. I thank you that there is life in repentance. I thank you, O God, that there is life in Jesus Christ. I thank you that the grace of God gives us the um, freedom to tell the truth about our sins, not to cover them up, not to hide them as if we are back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. No, we can now tell the truth because of the grace given to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you help us to tell the truth on ourselves, tell the truth to you, to tell the truth to others. When we sin against them, would you help us to confess those sins and make reparation for those sins and repent, meaning turn from our sins. Help us not to do it again. Help us, O God, to make level paths that the lame might walk. I thank you, O God, for your word, your reminder here that you do not take pleasure in the death of anyone including the wicked that you want all to repent and to live and to turn and to be with you in glory O God. Thank you for that reminder that you don't take pleasure in pronouncing judgment. You don't take pleasure in discharging judgment. You do not take pleasure in the death of anyone. Which is why you sent Jesus Christ so that we would believe on him and have eternal life and that we would escape the clutches of death, sin, death, hell, and the grave, oh God. Thank you for that. Would you help us, oh God, to continually walk in the light, walk in the light, the beautiful light. The Spirit speaks to us as we read your scripture and convicts us and changes us and illumines greater understanding of your passage. And I thank you that scripture does indeed interpret scripture oh god and i thank you for a trusted community who we can come to that scripture is meant to be read in community oh god because we can really do violence to the text (laughs) left to our own devices left to our own biases left to our own trauma interpretation nobody comes to the text as an objective reader so would you help us to have humility to be corrected and gratitude when the spirit does correct us or when our community does correct us and shows us a more sound way of interpreting your word. God, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for those who have gone before. Thank you for the call that you've placed, not only on the apostles and the disciples and the prophets' lives. I thank you for the faithfulness that you've given them so that they could complete their race, run the race to the very end, God, I thank you for the anointing and the calling you've given us. Would you help us to complete our race, to finish it, to see it through to the very end, no matter what, oh God. Thank you for the strength that you've given us. Thank you for the grace that you've given us. Thank you for your mercy that enables us and empowers us, oh God, to fulfill the calling on our lives. And I thank you, oh God, that it is you who ultimately fulfills the purpose in our lives. I pray all of this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. For many, missions is a story of heroes, martyrs, and the advance of the gospel. For others, it's the story of colonialism and missionary disasters. So how do we respond to God's call to love our neighbors as a new era emerges? Craig Greenfield shares about his journey in his new book, Subversive Mission, where he rediscovers the five-fold missional gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and demonstrates how each of these must look radically different in a cross-cultural context. Through Craig's own journey, you'll be inspired by a new way of working for a change in the world. As a of this podcast, you can get 30% off of Subversive Mission plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code THE WORD. That's promo code T H E W O R D at IVPress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth's Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers.
1: Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram
0: using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag Truth's Table